amigos are we, brother to brother and everyone, a brave amigo. Hello and welcome to episode 9 in season 5 of The Three Amigos. I'm your host, Mars, and I'm joined as always by my amiga, Kali. Our amigo, PJ, uh, had to excuse this week. He could not handle Saka missing an open, uh, a good chance. And then, obviously, Tuchel letting him down by Asby being on the bench. Obviously, he did not get the 16 point from King on the bench, you know, the, the bench jam. So he could not handle this week, so he needed some time to recover. I'm only missing. He's off for a week and he deserves it. So uh, instead, we have the absolute real goat of FBL. A very apt name for this week, I would say. We have my good friend Abdul, our amigo FBL Salah. Abdul, how are you doing? Hi, Mars. I'm, I'm good, thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it, was, it was a rough week. I mean, it was a good week in FPL, but. In general football terms, it was it was a bad week, you know. Yeah, know there's a reason I called you at five past nine. Emphasis on five. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kylie, how are you? I'm I'm good. Back on the pod. Obviously missed last week's episode, but you guys did a wonderful job. It was very entertaining. I was in fact wandering. I was going to say wilderness. It's not really the wilderness where I live, but wandering around hopelessly in the middle of a blackout looking for wine and sustenance. I did survive that. Paul also survived that. So here today again with electricity and hopefully we can have a great record. Indeed, indeed. As always, we're going to start with, with our guest. How's, how's your season so far? And what do you think of the absolute variance of this game week? Some absolute mad scores. We'll go through the scores in a minute. But tell us about your season so far and how and how it's going for you. Yeah, you know, I've, I've probably had one of the best starts this season that I can remember. Um, I think this is probably the best start I've I've had. I'm, I'm ranked at 17k. Um, I had quite a, quite a big jump this week. I went from like 27k to 17k. Yeah, and um, obviously I had Salah captain. Um, you know, so that was that was the silver lining. In that United defeat, but um, yeah, I mean, I've I've had a, g- a great week. I mean, I've I've um, I've I've got lucky in the last few weeks. I mean, I've I've had delivered Mentos points off the bench twice in a twice in a row now, um, and obviously with with the Salah thing, I think, you know, that that was really harsh. I mean, you know, seven goals and, and no Havertz returns, and then you know Salah scoring a hat trick and an assist against United away. Um, so yes, this this week was extremely high in the variance and um if you're on the wrong end of it you know what i mean this is like one of those one of those weeks where it kind of take you a whole week to recover or even more so yeah, yeah i'm just glad to be look, the right side of it we should we should touch on that because in isolation i don't think it was a bad call for people who either brought in Havertz or decided to captain him and a number nine, we knew he'd be playing out of position, or, or, or and out, not on number nine, but he was going to play at, for, as a number nine for Chelsea. We knew that because of the injuries against one of the worst teams in the league, right? No disrespect to Norwich. Hashtag no disrespect. Uh, it was worth a punt. It's like punting on any city forward when they have a game like that. It was the right decision, but maybe the wrong choice of player. And these things happen. You can't, it's, 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 it's hindsight. But anyway, like it happened, and let, let's go through the scores. Um, so we've got uh, our absent amigo um, with 105 points, and then uh, Abdul, you come in uh, next with uh, 99 points. So who 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 got you the points apart from Salah? Um, so I got um, it was four, obviously Salah with the captain, Foden, um, Alexander Arnold, Levermento off the bench, and Antonio. 
and literally everybody else scored one apart from apart from Diaz who scored two. So yeah, it was just it was a bizarre game, mate. Really bizarre. Yeah, Foden. Foden did the business. Big one mm. there, yeah. 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 And uh Kylie, you were next after that. I think uh, you had ninety two points. Is that right? You're robbing me of a point there. It was ninety three. <laughs> <laughs> Every point counts. Ninety three um, points. Yeah, so ninety three points. I brought Havertz in this week as well, but it was it was for the injured Decore. It was for free, so it was kind of an easy enough punt. I was always captaining Salah, so actually it's kind of annoying that so many captained Salah in the end with the whole Lukaku injury. Then you never know what he would have gotten. But um, yeah, I had Trent who did well, Captain Salah, Antonio Huang who got me a goal, and uh, Liveramento uh, who I. Brought in on my previous week's wild card, but he sat on the bench with his points then. Um, but I did, I did start him this week, so that was a lovely little haul. And yeah, I mean, it was just mad. Sunday morning to Sunday evening, the difference in scores for everybody was just completely mad. Yeah, um, I came with uh, eighty-seven points minus four. But my minus four was for Lukaku and Decore, so both interplay. So I, I have no regrets. Kai and Tony, hopefully over the time. Kai, Kai is not just for one game. He'll be for three for three games. And then Tony's for... They've got a good, good fixture run. So, no regrets. I obviously had Salah and just... Well, well Rudiger. Rudiger and Liverman did, did the rest of the of the points. Uh, but, Kylie, I mean, look, these are good scores. But we have even better scores in the Three Amigos League. So, why don't you take us through that? I will indeed. So, in the Three Amigos FPL Classic League, in fifth place is uh, with... The team Green Eggs and Sam is at Big Sam underscore FPL. And then in fourth place, still doing really, really well, is the Clop Report, and that's Michael Charman. Then in third place, I think a new entry into our top five is FPL Dad, that's Richard Everson. And in second place, the Desert Warrior, and that is Abdul Mohsen Al Mulhim. You did well. I've been watching the Yeah. No, no, it was good. It wasn't PJ level bad. It was fine. Sorry, PJ. <laughs> <laughs> it was only like a semi murder, not a full one. Um, and then in first place is the nearly man, Jaron Newman, who, by the way, ended up on 129 points this week, which is absolutely outrageous oh. performance. Imagine having Foden and Mount and Captain Seller and James and Trent, amongst others mental how well he he did that week uh, this week so crazy great job everyone well done well my rant is linked to the havert situation um I, I put a tweet about it and i said it's a punt it's a punt like you punt on city anything can happen but what what makes it really funny is i see tweets of people if he did not captain salah you're playing the game wrong or i mean no i'm not like we said it's it's a fair shout salah was playing a tough team yesterday United defence had not been great, but historically that fixture is not usually like this. Um, so there was nothing wrong with a punt. But then, then you get the other go to the other side where people who did have a punt are deleting teams. I've had enough. I'm giving up. I mean, come on, guys, we're ten weeks in, so let's just all chill. It's literally ten weeks in. You have plenty of time. We see so much volatile movements. Your teams are not that bad yet. To, to go and, and give up. And for those who did well and Captain Salah, there's no need to, to rub it in on, and say it was the wrong move. It wasn't the wrong move. And on another week, Havertz could have got five and, and not Mount got, or the hat-trick or whatever it is. So 
it's, it's, it's ethical, and that's what it's all about. Mars up. Yeah. Can I just add one more thing to that as well, right? So, out the the Chelsea starting eleven, um, Havertz was the only one not to get an attacking return, like to, to get so not an attacking, like to get a return, like every single. We don't want to know that, Abdul. I, I know, but I'm, I, it probably won't make them feel better. But it's just it just goes to show like how how unfortunate the Havertz owners were. I mean that that kind of like variance is just you know like unbelievable, especially him playing playing as a number nine. So. I mean, it fully endorses the decision, right? Because I mean, that's incredibly unlucky to not get for him to be the only person to not get a return who started. But that just goes to show, and the scoreline goes to show that wanting to invest in an option for Chelsea for that game week made total sense, and that it was the it was the biggest score, biggest scoring match. So unlucky, but in no way. A terrible decision and sort of hindsight brigade there should chill yep. out. <laughs> no, to totally agree. As I said, it's just one of those extremely unfortunate situations. And um, again, always trust the process. And the process was good to the guys who who captained him and bought him in. You know, especially for the freeze. So yeah, just one of those. Don't beat yourself up about it. Um, I know it's, I know it's hard to take, but I mean, I, I would be taking it really hard as well, uh, even though I know it was the right decision. Um, but yeah that's I mean while we're in the rant section not even as far as I'm concerned even as a Havertz owner the most annoying aspect of that match we may allude to it later but I have a lot of a lot of feelings about Mr Mason Mount and his performance as compared to (laughs) my personal experiences but First goal, first goal in the league for a while, and I think his first hat trick for Chelsea, I believe. Well, he so has there we to go. play um, actual minutes to get points, and I just couldn't believe <laughs> the amount of people over the last two weeks saying, "Oh, is Mason Mount nailed?" Um, excuse me, have you looked at his minutes? I mean, for context here, Abdul, I can feel myself getting worked up about it, but I, I did own him for three weeks, and he oh, played no. one half of football in that time. He was not injured, by the way. Mm. He just played forty-five minutes of football. And I only sold him a couple of weeks ago. So it's very fresh and very upsetting that he yeah. did you, that. You know, I've I seen, um, I seen a tweet somewhere. I can't remember who it was, but uh, they said something like um, that was the first time Mount had had more than one attack in return in like in a year or yeah. something like that. Um, so again, it's just it's just one of those just like, you know, high variance weeks where just got really unlucky. He stole all of Havertz's yeah. points, is what exactly. happened. <laughs> exactly. Right, let's <laughs> right, let's move into our topics, and we've got a couple today. And the first one that I wanted to bring up is, um, I called it the rise of the bench, the rise of the bench warmers. So this weekend and recently, cheap players like Livermento, Broja, Huang, and Emil Smith Rowe, if you like, have delivered. Some are on people's benches, others got lucky with the Chelsea and City rotations. Are these guys making a claim to be in the 11? I want to focus first on the Saints boys, especially Livermento. Huge debate about it. Our own uh, PJ was going on about how he got 32 points in the last six games. Uh, not many, uh, only, I believe, Cancelo and maybe Chilwell got, got more from the defence. Uh, he's, he's, he's four points. Then uh, then we have uh, Lucy, who's a, our, our resident Saints fan, if you like, saying, look, I know I have been to watch Saints and I know that these returns are not sustainable. So the question is, when you have some... Abdul, I'm going to come to you. Many have CF, uh, Chelsea defenders and City defenders, either a double plus Trent or one of each, or play three at the back. 
is Livermento a starter? Can we trust Saints? Or is he the perfect first sub? What would be your advice? How are you approaching next week, for example, when you know you've got Chelsea with a with an easy game, City with an easy game, Liverpool with an easy game, and then you've got Livermento? Yeah, I definitely think with those players you mentioned, he's he's definitely like the perfect first bench option. I don't think, I mean, he, yeah, he's, he's got he's got a goal in the clean sheet in the last two, but I still think that. Um, you know, you, you wouldn't play him get you wouldn't play him ahead of you know of of Trent or the City defence or Chelsea defence. He's he's a perfect uh, you know first bench, especially for like you know the, the Chelsea defenders. I mean, all the defence is um, is a rotation risk. So you know you got Christensen uh, who was rotated this week. You know, got Reese James and Chilwell who are popular options who are rotation risk. So yeah, um, again, I think he's 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 just you know the perfect first bench option. And you know he, you know especially if you've got a Chelsea defence, um, because you probably will need him. And also, like you know, just as an as as an example for my team, I've got Mbembo, Rafinha, and Vardy who who are injury doubts. And you know, um, you know, if, if for example Mbembo's out, you know, just for the one week, you know, then you know, instead of taking him out, you know, I can I can just pop Lovermento in. So he's he's there for that as well. But um, when when you've got a fully fit squad, I still don't think he makes a starting eleven. Yeah, I agree, Abdul. I was going to touch on that actually because, like, so I've got Rafinha, um, um, and, and I don't, I don't particularly want to sell him. As if we hear that, it's only when we look. Look, we've already had, we've had so many injuries, and injuries keep popping up. So we had Lukaku and Ducore. The only reason I saw them is because I knew Ducore was going to be a long time. Lukaku I just could not afford to put somebody with that much money on the bench, knowing that most likely he won't be back for at least two or three games, which is the good, the good fixtures. But I agree with you. I know Kylie also got Embuemo and Vardy. I've got Rafinha. That's the time where you use your bench and you play somebody like him. But I, it's it's one of those. Look, I, I'm known on this point, Abdul. I hate bench points, so I would rather not own a player that I know I would bench. But in this in this situation and the way we are now, and the fact that I have Cancelo and Rudiger, he is my uh, uh, insurance for this rotation policy, right? I, I, I have to. Here's a question for you. Tell me the most team that have changed the um, Premier League. Startup. Who do you think is the is the most team, and how many times? Roughly. I would think Chelsea. Yeah. How yeah, many times I, do you think? I'd say Chelsea too, but I don't know how how many times. So Chelsea thirty four times. Who do you think was second? Say. City and Liverpool twenty three. Look at the difference. Twenty three times. Actually, Tuchel right. is becoming worse than Pep. He's out so, pepping Pep. Yeah. <laughs> he, he is. He is. Exactly Pep. not what it's we wanted. By the way, having one of Pep was already stressful yeah. enough and now we've got two and they're two teams that you can't avoid because there's there's just a lot of reward to to be had by investing in their players but like to your point there i think livermento is an absolute gift for exactly this reason i think in other seasons we may have struggled a little bit more about what to do with him because um with maybe less perceived rotation risk in our defense he might have just been that soul-destroying one that kind of always sat on the bench. Whereas, particularly with, with Chelsea, uh, and we know that it's not just going to be the very occasional rest, we know that there's genuinely going to be ample opportunities for Livermento to come in when we have a, uh, one of those fullbacks in particular. And there's lots of rotation in general going on. And, you know, this is why we've seen countless people this season benefiting week in, week out from Livermento on the bench. So there might be, you know, specific games. Obviously, he's playing Watford this week uh, and people who have injuries may start him. It's hard to choose him over some other people, but it's very reassuring to have him 
there first on that bench to come in because you know that he's got a chance of getting you some points. And it's also not unreasonable to think that if he did get you a return that he might not, you know, like he could end up in your team quite comfortably. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And look, the thing is, okay, so if you're playing three at the back, like we said, he, he does not replace the City, Chelsea and Liverpool boys. And that's because they also have an attack in return in them as well as a clean sheet. Now, if you're playing four at the back, well, it depends who you're benching. I don't like benching. If I have to choose between a striker and uh, a defender, I'll always go for the striker. Right, and there's so many good strikers at the moment. And again, in midfielders, most of us who play a four midfielder, we have midfielders that are that are within a, attacking midfielders in good teams. Look, he's done really well, and he could easily become the next Dallas or Lundstrom. But we need to see a bit more of that. And also, it's it's, it's the Saints bit. I don't trust them to keep that many clean sheets. So I've watched him in games where he hardly gone past the halfway line. Now I watched the highlights of the Burnley game, and he could easily have double, double two goals. He hit the bar, he hit the bar. He had an assist. Uh, for Brochure that was blocked uh, and then the goal. So he was really involved, etc. Fantastic. Now, if he keeps doing that, that will give us more of a headache because that's a lot of savings. Maybe when, uh, if City or, or Chelsea, the rotation continues into the Christmas period and tough fixtures, you might decide, you know what, I can't be bothered with this. He's playing regularly. He's scoring, assisting, etc. Fine. But at the moment, I don't think he takes that spot. So, and, and I think we all agree on that. So, um, Kylie, staying with Saints. Uh, Broja, two and two, with good fixtures and so many strikers in play. Could he be one that unlocks a, a Son and KDB as well as Salah and a, and a, and a Foden, for example? Because if you go down from Ronaldo or Lukaku all the way to Broja, you might be able to to afford these guys. What, what's what's your thoughts? Assuming he's fit, because we know he came off yeah. uh, potentially with an injury. Side note, I uh, love the name. It just makes me think of Ambrosia, you know, Ambrosia of the <laughs> Gods. Like. <laughs> and maybe that's exactly what he is. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. It's it's really hard to tell because it's early days. I mean, obviously he has featured in in earlier matches for sort of twenty minutes, or whatever. But um, it, it's really the last two games that we've had where where he started and essentially played the full game. Obviously, barring uh, coming off a little bit earlier last match with a minor injury, but he scored. He scored in in each of them, um, and interestingly. Again, just like it is such a small sample size, right? So it's really, really hard to tell. But if you look at those two game weeks, right, and you look at the strikers, that's all strikers, right? So um, including all the way up to um, Ronaldo uh, in those two game weeks. Um, He had the second most attempts with seven. And technically he was second for shots on target with three as well, although there were four players ahead of him uh, with a total of four shots on target. Fun question. Can you guys guess who is top for both of those stats? For the shots on target? Yeah, joint top uh, for shots on target and top for attempts in those two game weeks. It's a bit of a random one. No, it's strikers. Oh, two weeks. Oh, sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. He, this person mm. is also top for big chances total. Wow. Is that a budget forward? It is definitely a budget forward. Uh, Timo Puki? No, this is a vintage, vintage soul here. No idea. No idea. Tony? Ben Teke. Uh. <laughs> yeah, he's just top for all of, randomly, for all of those attacks. I mean, <laughs> you just wouldn't really think it, would you? Um, but anyway, so Berger is, uh, he has performed well in those two 
two games. Um, you, you'd have to think that he's fancied to continue uh, performing. Uh, obviously, they do have a few options. They have um, Armstrong, they have Shea Adams, but at five million, hard to really argue with him. I think it's just always going to be that expectation management piece. Um, it is Saints. They are not one of the most attacking teams in the league. They're at the, the bottom of the table or in the bottom uh, part of the table for, for those stats. But at $5 million, given that he's now the cheapest viable option um, as a, a budget forward, because we do have the Watford guys who obviously just ran amok, um, but they are, I believe, a little bit more. And... Uh, Huang, who is another popular option. I have Huang myself. And he's now at 5.7. So I think if you are looking to try and get in, KDB's just been benched, but Son has by and large been um, hauling Spurs across the line with pretty consistent points. If you're wanting to invest there and you don't want to adjust your existing combo of uh, premium players, it is something that could work. I don't think that there's any harm in, in trying it. And he's also a viable bench option at $5 million if you are someone who is playing a 3-5-2. Um, you can absolutely have him there and then maybe play him for ideal fixtures. Hard to gauge home or away form, right? Because um, it, we don't have that data yet. We don't have sufficient data to make an assessment on whether he's a home bird or not. But I think he could be a useful contribution as long as you're looking at it with the lens of this is Southampton. They're not going to score a crazy amount of goals and that we don't really know what to expect over a long course with him. But I mean, the next three are great fixtures. They've got Watford away, Villa at home, Norwich away. I mean, particularly the Watford and Norwich matches. Like, why wouldn't you? If you're, if you're that way inclined and you're looking for a bit of a saving option, particularly, say, hypothetically, there is a bigger problem with Vardy um, and Lukaku's still out and you're not really going to want to stretch back up to Ronaldo, it, it could be a good option to, to go for him and then just plug that money into one of your budget midfielders and increase it yeah. up to a premium. Yeah. No, look, <clears throat> from what we see, he looks like... What I like about these young players is short, short on target policy. They don't care. They're not scared. And he, he's obviously got a good record. He's got a good shot. He's, he's come from, a, a, you know, a promising from, from Chelsea. So, no, look, I, I agree with what he's saying. And they do have some good pictures. If you want to go drop down all the way, I think, to uh, as, as the third striker, potentially. I wouldn't have him as a second unless you're going 3-5-2 with a, with a really, really strong five midfield. Because there's so many good strikers right now. I don't think you need to... To have such I a mean, they're all injured, again. though, Mars. Like, this is the problem. There's not <laughs> well, that many yeah. good strikers. <laughs> it's, 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 it's true. It's true. The, the options are dwindling a little bit. But the reason I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this up is because I have looked at potentially going with, you know, my, my best times in FPL is when I had strong five midfielders. And we have so many midfielders that are out of position, like the Salah, the Son, the Mane, etc., that can deliver. So You are right, though. If I think it would be massively problematic to bring down your second striker to uh, Abrosia just because then you really are very trapped on that basis. You're, I'm assuming you've got like an unplaying, you know, third striker or another one of those budget ones. And 
you know, you can't really be so reliant on them. Whereas if, if you're playing three strikers and he's your cheap one or, you know, he's your bench option, then I think that works. Yeah, no, agree, agree. And now, so the, the last the last couple, uh, Emma Smith-Rowe and Hwang, I think, look, we can, like, I see I see Smith-Rowe on, on solo, like our friend Rocky, Viking, both had them on, uh, on, on their bench, first sub, second sub, they never came in. So I think, you know, a few people even saw the SR, but I think um, that these guys can be played. We can all agree that if you have a home game, you should be playing them because it seems like Arsenal, they really go for it at home. And I don't know, what, what, what do you think, Abdul, with uh, somebody like uh, Emil smith Rowe and, and Hwang? I mean, Hwang deserves to start. I wouldn't even bench him, to be honest. Yeah, yeah he's a starting player in my team. He's, he's not mm. a bench option. Yeah, I think Huang is is pretty nailed. Um, you know, because he's he's playing up top with with him and his with with Broja. I mean, he he's got the spot now. But I mean, I think with him as well. Um, you know, a few bad performances and Armstrong could come back in. So I totally agree with you guys. You know, it's, it's dangerous going with him for the second. But you know, for the third striker, you know, if you, if you're or even for like you know having first on your bench, you know, he's a five million. He's he's as good as you'll get. And um, in terms of Huang and um, Miles Smith Rowe. I mean, you you can definitely play them. Um, you know, as as part of your starting eleven. Um, you know, I think they're kind of, you know, in terms of their expected minutes, they're they're a level above of Brogia and and their teams respectively as well. So, um, yeah, I would I would um, I wouldn't have any problems playing you know any of those two players. And I think uh, Miles Smith Rowe looks you know great value now. I mean, he's he's even cheaper than Mbemo. You know, who's I think he's a point two more expensive and. You know, he's playing for a. You know, you could probably say he is playing for a better team in Arsenal, and um, you know they've got. You know, they've got. They've, st- they've still got a good fixtures coming up, Arsenal. So he is. He is still. You know, a really kind of useful asset to have. So yeah, I like Yesar. I mean, to be honest, like because I'm in Buenos, I didn't even consider him. Um, mm-hmm. as, um, you know, as my kind of. You know, my, my kind of fourth. Well, my fourth midfielder, but yeah, I like him, and I think he uh, he's going to do well over the season, especially in respect of his price. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, right. So um, our second topic is uh, one of my favourite songs. Have a little patience. Um, one of the biggest issues active managers have is we don't have patience. Right. Sometimes we don't have patience because we just love tinkering with our teams and looking at those stats and attacking the fixture. Well, I made a deal with Kay. I told her that she needs to tell me the next player she sells. Because <laughs> she had Emil Smith-Rowe for the first few games. We sold him. He went mad. She had Mount, sold oh, him. He's, he's gone. So, so we made a deal now. There's a theme here. <laughs> <laughs> few people have sold ESR, Emil Smith-Rowe. Uh, some people asked Kylie, and rightly so, because at the time he wasn't, he wasn't playing and he was getting injured, Mount. But Abdul, I... Every time I speak with you, you always say, trust the process, trust the process, be patient. You are really good at that. So how do you resist change, formal, and when is it a good time to make those moves? Yeah, I mean, in terms of like resisting, I think what's helped me is like really kind of, you know, staying off main Twitter because like when you're on Twitter and you're seeing like, you know, all the, you know, the kind of knee-jerk moves and, you know, players like managers transfer and out players... You know, kind of, it does get to you a bit. So, yeah, definitely trying to kind of stay off, you know, the, the main feed. But in general, like, for me, I mean, because it's worked, like, so well. I mean, you know, people people ask me, like, you know, 
like sometimes they say like you know what's you know what what you know give us advice on you know like what was what's your secrets you know kind of things like that but the, the one thing i will say is that you know there, there's there's plenty of ways to play the game but i think one thing that um has really done me has done me well over the years is being patient and not getting rid of good players you know with the good stats you know especially over a long period um and you know that's like for, for example like antonio um, you know, players got a uh, manager's got rid of him as well. Uh, you know, in their wild cards, you know, because he had a tough fixture him coming up. But you know, some kept him because you know he's you know his stats were amazing and you know kind of repaid them this week. Yeah, I mean, definitely just kind of you know keeping faith with with the uh, with the program players. And in, in terms of when when to know when to jump off, I think there's a few. I mean, in terms of their stats, if if you're seeing like a big drop off in their stats, and you know like. And um, you know, there's some sort of system change, and you know, there's a, there's a big obvious change there. Um, then you know, that could be a time, to, you know, to kind of jump off. And also, you know, during like really tough fixture runs. I mean, in terms of getting rid of Antonio, I think um, it was a really 50-50 call on whether um, you know you got you got rid of him or not. I, I don't think it was a bad decision to get rid of Antonio because you know you were, if you were getting you know like sort of Jimenez or or even Vardy or you know like a, you know like a, a Broja to kind of update, upgrade your midfield. So I mean, sometimes it could be tricky, but um, I think mostly when you, when you see a drop off in stats, or you know when they're going through a really tough fixture run, then um, you know then it's th- that would be the time to jump off. I, I wouldn't jump off, you know, just after you know they've had a few a few blanks, but they've you know still got good fixtures coming up. Um, you know, then you know that's that's when you're kind of I feel you're kind of asking for trouble. So yeah, I mean it's it's yeah. hard to kind of I don't think there's like a, a really one right answer to this it's just one of those things you have to kind of gauge and you know kind of trust trust yourself as you know we're all kind of we're all good fpl managers in in the, in the sense that we've got all the information there we've got all the stats uh you know but i think where the difference comes in is you know when you make those decisions you know when you when yeah you know like when you be patient or you know when to get it it's all about timing really yeah, no, I agree. It's, 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 I guess it's getting that balance. For example, uh, our own uh, amigo Hindu Monkey asked, this week we saw most of the unlikely haulers this season. And it's with Raw, Mount, Kone, King, who would own him in brackets. Of course, he just saw he gets a shout that he owns King. Yes, yes, we all know you own King. Are any of them now worth getting or are we chasing points? Kylie, is it chasing points? Would you go back to Mount? Oh, God. <laughs> I'd go back to Smith Row. <laughs> um <laughs> Because I did own him in the first couple of game weeks. It was a bit of a punt, but um, obviously they, they did have um, a great first fixture and then their fixture sort of took a, an ugly turn for a little while. And, well, we thought it was a great first fixture against Brentford. We obviously know how that match ended up. And he did play well in those those matches. Um, and I, I got rid of him just simply because fixtures and... Uh, other opportunities really but I had seen enough to be quite impressed with him and and feel that there were going to be times during the season where I'd definitely be open to getting him back in Um, and that is how I feel whether I I jump in now or not look who knows because of uh, injuries anything could happen but I think he's definitely a viable option and I think at his price point you can't go too far wrong yeah the the situation with Mount is is trickier because the rotation is it's a really big problem and um, yes he came and he had a monster haul that we've never seen from him before but he really wasn't consistently playing before that and that is an aberration that score 
He's not going to get 24 points again, as Abdul said. said it, like, he's known for getting like one return, you know, an assist, a goal, not a double-digit haul. Uh, and, and that's pretty much what I can remember since he started in the Premier League. So I just, I think it could be chasing points. They do have great fixtures, no question. I think if you're going and you're looking to buy him, with a view that he might tick away nicely for you in the games that he plays, then I think that's fine. But I think if you're going and buying him with a view that he's 100% nailed and that he's got that volume of points in him each game, then no, I think that you are chasing points then. So I think there needs to be an element of realism. You know, we've talked, we've mentioned variance quite a bit on this pod already. And, you know, Mount yeah. was sort of at the other end. We expect a 24 point haul out of someone like Salah. We're not even surprised to see someone like Foden get a really big haul. Uh, someone like Mount tends to be at the, that other end of the spectrum. So um, not that he's not capable of it, but it's just not something that we see uh, in years of him uh, in, in the Premier League. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they do have Newcastle and Burnley next. And I think, you know yeah, what I find the fixtures. toughest? What I find the toughest, and this question is for you, and we start with you, for you both, and we start with you, Abdul, is when you have a player who's doing all right, you're not getting the chances, maybe Asar or Lesko, or maybe even Rafinha, a bit more. So he might get you a goal in two. He's getting the chances. He's one of the best players. Let's imagine he's not injured. Right, and then, but then you have this player, and it's not necessarily a mount, but let's say a player that has been, let's say Foden, right? So Foden recently has been playing, scoring, he's playing for City, etc. When do you when do you say, okay, now I'm gonna keep the trusting Rafinha, or no? Yes, he's getting the stats, he's getting the moves, but Leeds are, are not scoring enough, or uh, City are just better. Is it what makes you make that move? Is it ownership? Is it fixtures? Is it just the gut? Because that's not what I find the most difficult sometimes. When you have a player that is getting the stats, but not but not the outcome. So Mwemo, Mwemo actually is a great example before he got injured. He keeps hitting the post. Great player, cheap price, playing in a, in a team that is attacking. And he keeps hitting the post when somebody like uh, Rafinha and Saar were getting the points. Um, yeah, you know, I think, um, I mean, you, you just alluded to there with, with the fixtures and the stats, right? And and sorry, the, the fixtures and the ownership. And I think those two are quite important because, um, I mean, just as an you used Foden there as an example, right? And obviously, right, Rafina to Foden is a huge upgrade. And, um, you know, I would, I mean, even if, uh, you know, Rafina was fit and, you know, you want to make that move, um, you know, I'd probably, you know, you know, I, I, you know, despite you know Rafinha's you know good stats, um, you know, I'd still probably recommend that move. But um, you know, but in in general, I mean, I think you have to look at the value. I mean, Rafinha is only six point, you know, he's a six point seven million. Now we started off at six point five. He is underpriced. I know he's not, you know, shown his values so far, but you know, Leeds have been kind of you know, a bit off this season. But you know, I mean, I have no problems with keeping Rafinha. Um, I just, I just think you need to look at it, you know, on a it's, it's all on an individual individual team basis. Um, if you're able to kind of upgrade Rafina to Foden, like for the, for the likes of Foden, then yeah, um, you know, Foden is you know an, an elite option, you know, playing you know up top per se. But if it was like for example, like um, you know, somebody like Mount, even if Mount was nailed, let's just say he was on like you know 100% nailed, 90 minute player, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be making that move because you know simply Rafina stats are better. Um, you know, he provides better value. 
you know, than Mount. He's got more goal threat. So I think that's what you really need to look at is, is the value of the player, the price. And, you know, if you're, um, you know, if you, you've got that money in the bank, what you're going to do with it. Um, I think that's what you kind of really need to look at. And again, it's all it's all an individual team basis, um, you know, when it comes to it comes to these decisions. Yeah, Kali? Yeah, I, I, I think the, the Rafina point is an interesting one because I think that's a, a debate many people will start to be having, obviously, injury situation dependent. He is such a wonderful player and he does have a history of underperforming. Uh, when, when you watch a match and you see his stats and you see how much he creates and then you always feel a little bit hard done by, even if he's got you a return, just because there is that sense that he is capable of returning so much more. Um, and he's a very stable option. He has had a few niggles this, this season and Leeds haven't looked great and obviously Bamford has been out, which hasn't helped either. I think it all... I, I, I think I'd echo what Abdul is saying there in that I... I I think it is totally dependent on your team as well. There's an element of, with some using the Foden example, he is a, a premium option in terms of his uh, capacity for points for you wrapped in a, a cheaper package. And yes, there is more risk with him than a Rafina or uh, someone else who's, who's nailed, but he can get you so much more points than, say, a Mount could. Um, it depends on your team your and your risk appetite as well. Foden won't play every match just because it's City and we just never know. I mean, how many times do they go on a run of playing loads in incredible form and form never seems to be an indicator for playing more matches because how many times have we seen Mares, for instance, play five in a row and score loads and then suddenly not being seen for like a year, he's just been shipped off to Siberia or something. So, you know, like <laughs> you just, you just never, you never quite know. Um, and if you have a team that has potentially a lot of more likely to be rotated players, it might feel a little bit nervy to be adding an additional one in there. But if you have quite a stable team, you have some budget and you, you're in a position where you could make a move like that, then I think you look at it as an opportunity because you know that Foden could get you so much more. And you you have to think that should he play, his ceiling is higher over the course of X amount of weeks with good fixtures, even if he misses one or two. It is entirely, entirely team dependent. But I think you have to find a balance between patience and finding the right opportunity. So Abdul was talking about patience before and kind of maybe not being too swayed or or, um, being on main Twitter too much, you know, where we do see the excitement of bandwagons and it's easy to get swept Mm. up in it. We've all been swept up in a bandwagon uh, hype before and how often do they work? So often they don't. Um, (laughs) But I think if you're happy with the underlying stats, um, the way that person is playing, the fixtures that they have, then it's those are risks worth taking. Yeah, so it, it, it sounds like what we're saying is if you move in from a, it's, it's not it's not just the player. Also, I would say look at the team, right? Yeah. So absolutely. yeah, Rafina is the best player at least hands down. You watch him before he got injured; he was absolutely on fire. And sometimes, unfortunately, he's not getting the output maybe because the players around him are not as good as him. Whereas in City, you've got Foden. So sometimes, I, I, from what I heard from Abdul and from you, if you're moving to an elite player, 
yes, it's a move that you sh- that you, you can consider. If you move in like for like, like Mwemo to Saar or uh, Mwemo to, uh, I don't want to mention Torore again, but that, you know, think about that. And maybe that's more fixture than just the fact that if they had a good, if you brought them in for a good fixture, keep them and stick with them, especially if the stats continue to be good. I think that's what I'm hearing. And also, yeah, genuinely just with, with a City or a Chelsea player, uh, more so than others, there's that rotation risk. So make sure that you have um, the backup on the bench. Yeah. So good discussion, guys. Um, let's move into the uh, listener questions. We have a few and then that will bring up uh, some other topics. So we'll start with uh, our friend Benny Blanco. Uh, Benny underscore Blanco 40, now about 44 probably. Uh, if you had no other FPL fires to put out, is Asby to Chilwell worth it? Free up a bit of cash as well. He has Trent, Cancelo, Diaz and Livra, so he can live with the rotation. So would you do the side way from Asby to Chilwell, Kylie? I, I think it's such a massive luxury move. Like I think it's the <laughs> definition of a luxury move. However... If you are fully set up in your team um, and you're really happy with everything else and you don't have another move that you want to make and you don't sort of want to save a transfer maybe to, to make some substantial changes in the next couple of weeks and you have the appetite for rotation there, then I think you, you could do it. We've discussed Livermento on uh, having him as your first on the bench option. So I think that we're kind of in a position this season where our expectations are such that we know Chilwell will be rotated. It's not a gray area. We, we know that's going to happen, right? We also know that his ceiling is ridiculous. I mean, four consecutive matches. So, it, uh, in the Premier League, I believe. So that goes back to like last season where he has scored. I mean, what on earth is that? Which means then that, you know, he stopped playing in a match after a match when he scored last season. Anyway, he's, he's just <laughs> nonstop scoring goals at the moment. And we know that Chelsea can keep clean sheets. So you have to think he's favoured over Alonso for now. I don't believe that mm, will be the case mm. for the whole season. I think if you look at that and you go 100%, he's getting rotated at some point but I have a ready-made option on the bench and I am entirely comfortable with the fact that that person may come in then I think it's fine but you have to have that mindset to do it and I think you also have to be in a position where you're really happy with everyone else in your team because you know it's only two game weeks ago when Azpilicueta got two assists so obviously it's different when he's you know, he, he's sort of playing um, in that position, like Reese James is back. And so there's a knock-on effect in terms of his positioning and how creative is going to be, etc. But like, I think as long as it's not a reaction to Azpilicueta just getting benched, like, and it's because you think that even with rotation, Chilwell will have a higher ceiling, I think he will, then I think it's fine. Risky maybe, or, or out there, but fine. Sideways. Yeah, I mean, totally agree with everything that uh, Kylie said there. Um, one thing I would add, though, is that with, with Chilwell, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally a luxury move, right? But with with Chilwell, you've you've got the kind of added bonus that you know he he seems to like not like um, Tuchel doesn't bring him on when he's benched, right? So which is good because obviously if you know as Kylie was alluding to, if you've got a good bench there, you know, like a Livermore or or you know like a a third striker, then you know. You've got somebody coming in, but um, I mean, if if it was like Reese James, for example, he gets subbed on a lot, so it, it wouldn't be a, like 
as Peter James, like for example, wouldn't be a move I would recommend because you're just kind of shifting one rotationist to another. But again, with with Chilwell, is that you know you're, he stays on the bench. So yeah, I I would again like so as Kylie said, if you've got no other fires, um, it is it is the definition of a luxury move. So if you've got no other fires and your team's hundred percent fine, then yeah, it'd probably be a move that I would I would recommend. Actually, and to your point, because that's a really good one about Chilwell and, and benching, I can't remember the specific numbers, but the guys on Black Box did actually cover that off, I think in their, their last episode, and they, they did look at how many times Chilwell was benched in Tuchel's era um, and how many times he was subbed on. And I don't think he was subbed on at all or it may have been once or twice versus James who had a huge number of times. And we've seen it when, when people have uh, bemoaned his, his sudden five minute appearance at the end of a match to kill off a, a bench option. So that's a really good point. And it makes that strategy of I'm going to go with the perceived risky, but high ceiling chill. Well with a first viable first bench option actually genuinely something that could work because you're not going to get blocked then by a, a, a five minute sub for Chilwell. Yeah, and obviously Chilwell has set pieces as well, which is probably more than the other defenders. I've got Rudigard. Yeah, I can see the move. I can see the I can see the benefit of it, but you know, uh, Rudigard does love a shot. So, but anyway, yeah, uh, I, I agree with everything you guys said. Luxury, but I can see why it's even considered. Right. Jimmy DeClare at Clara FBL. Is Cornet the best 6.5 mil or less midfielder? And since that is obviously a yes, what is your favourite flavour Rubicon? So is he the best 6.5 midfielder? Because Bitter and Stout at Mike underscore Jeski says, if Rafinha's out for a bit, would you shift him to Mount Gray or Tielemans? So again, we're looking at midfielders around that area and that price. So Abdul, tell me what you think. Is uh, Cornet the best option? If not, who who is around that that price? Um, I mean, Cornet looks looks a great player, but again, he's um, you know, he's, he's only started the last two matches. Um, I have to add that Jimmy Declara is a Burnley fan, so I when know. he says he's the best option, <laughs> yeah, I've seen that question. I was more interested in the in the uh, favorite, in the Rubicon, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which, which really got we'll me thinking. So we'll come back to that. But yeah, let's get to the FPL question first. Um, yeah, I mean, he, again, he's. He, I think I think his minutes are a concern. I don't. I mean, admittedly, I don't know much about the player. Um, I just, um, you know, kind of seen he scored against Leicester, and then he scored, you know, two against Southampton, and you know, his named his, his name reminded me of of a Cornetto, which is my favourite ice cream. So that's uh, <laughs> that's as much as I kind of know about the player. But from what I've seen from his minutes. Um, you know, I, I think it's a bit too risky for me. Um, and I think when you've got, you know, the likes of, uh, you know, you've, you've got the likes of Saar, you know, Smith, Rowan, Bemo, uh, you know, even even Ben Rama. Um, I think, um, yeah, I, th- I think it's hard to kind of, you know, pick Corney over, over these guys. Um, so for, at the moment, for me, I think he's um, he's a no. But I mean, he 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 definitely could, um, you know, you know, turn out to be a great player. And on top of that, Burnley don't really score a lot of goals as well do they so um yeah i think he's a bit too risky for me at the, for the time being cool uh i agree with what you're saying um i only know him because liverpool were linked to him at some stage but it, it never really happened so just to answer mike's question uh, um if 
if we're saying Corne, okay, he's a bit, we're not sure yet. And you mentioned obviously the, the obvious players around that range, but out of out of people like um, Mount Gray and Tielemans, where would you go? Oh, if you Mount, had to choose out of those three, yeah, Mount Gray and Tielemans. Um, I'd, I'd probably I'd probably go for Mount. Uh, you know, simply because of the fact of his uh, of his fixtures, and I, I don't see him getting dropped. You know, for the next you know maybe two or three games. You know, and that's mm. that's where you know, and his next, you know, next two or three are, are awesome. You know, got Newcastle, Burnley, and Leicester. Well, not Leicester's not a, a great fixture, but you know they have been. You know, Leicester have been conceding a lot of goals, but the next two two are awesome. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely trust Mount uh, over over the other two over over Gray and Telemans. I think Te- I mean Telemans has been just been scoring screamers, hasn't he, really? So, um, I don't think he's going to kind of maybe I, I can't see him kind of keeping that up, but. Two screamers in a row. <laughs> yeah, two like fantastic goals. Yeah. But yeah, I mean they've yeah, he's 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 not a really a known goal scorer, is he really? Um, you know, he's got had I think he got no. like six goals and four assists and you know in the last season. So yeah, for me it'd be Mount I mean Mount's on you know, he's got his own set pieces, etc. as well. So I mean he's still a decent option, Mount. I just uh, I think he'll have a goal for it, but out of those options uh, it, would, it would still be Mount. And Kylie, are you a Rubicon drinker? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> oh my god! So, it's like so, the so, best well, drink so, well, ever. So you see, I don't like it. I know what, what? it is, but I'm yeah, I know. I know wow! But I'm not uh, Abdul. If it's not if it's not Coke or Pepsi, if Coke Zero or Pepsi Max, I'm not really interested in most fizzy drinks. Yeah, Rubicon no, is Rubicon like, doesn't always come fizzy. Kylie, you need to try Rubicon. I know, honestly. I know. But is it? Like, I don't. I don't really like sweet drinks. Yes, it's. It, it's very sweet. Yeah. Very, very sweet. What flavors does it come in? Incidentally, so what would your You said some, yeah. Yeah. So, so my my top three are mango, lychee, and and guava. But um, yeah. See, I love guava and mango in general. So I could maybe try those. Not a fan of lychee. It just sort of tastes like perfume. Can't get on board. No, no, try, try I'll see it. if I can find it. I don't know if they sell it in Ireland. I've never seen it before. Oh, no, they should. They should definitely sell it. I think it's one of those kind of worldwide drinks, I think. But I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I, I definitely recommend at least try the mango flavor. I'll see the kind of OG original. Yeah. Right, I'll my, put it on I my list. Mango <laughs> so when I say I didn't like it, it, it was a lie. I do like Rubicon mango, but if I had a choice between that and a, and a, and a Pepsi or a, or a Coke, I would definitely go that way. But apart from the mango, I know passion fruit is quite it's quite big, isn't it, Abdul? I think lots of people like uh, passion fruit, etc. But yeah, um, not... yeah, it's okay. I mean, uh, the, the, the three flavors that I mentioned, I think, are the best. But um, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah they're, they're all good. Cool. Thank you for that. Um, uh, Parsel Mustafa at uh, Bar Camp uh, asks, uh, Kane or Son or none? Kylie, Kane or Son? Um, okay, well, obviously, Son, still a slightly sensitive subject. Um, I know that PJ covered off my Son woes uh, from from last week. I had him on my wild card. Uh, saw the news that he had COVID later proven to be a false positive. Um, but I saw that news 10 minutes before the deadline, so I removed him. I was actually at the Newcastle. I was in Newcastle for the, the match against Tottenham. And uh, score he did. I I just vastly prefer, prefer um, Son this this season. It's a lot of money to spend on Kane, and he just doesn't look hungry. He just doesn't look hungry to me. Um, 
and I think it's really going to be difficult to to justify the difference in cost be- between the two of them. Son just seems like he still wants to score every week, and I think he's the better value buy. I can imagine that Kane will become popular, particularly come sort of game week 12, you know, when fixtures get really, really good. Um, And he will probably prove to be something of a differential because I think we'll see Son's ownership really um, mounting from that point. But until a time comes when I see something from Kane that is going to justify me investing quite so much in him while still at Tottenham, it's just not going to happen. It's it's just a lot of money given the value that can be found elsewhere. Yeah, I fully agree with you. Um, uh, for me, Son is way head or shoulders better above Kane right now. Just with the options that we talked about, the options. And uh, you know what? The, the, the premium strikers don't seem to be doing it at the moment. So... I, I yeah I I I think um, Son definitely is is the better choice right now. But like you said, when the fixtures get better, I mean I don't have either. But I'm planning for Son. My plan is for Son when the, when the fixtures get better. Although we say fixtures get better, I mean he's playing a team that conceded two teams that conceded five goals in the next two games. So yeah, <laughs> maybe he's the good fixtures already. Um, Partho Mustafa uh, again asks. To Huang or not to Huang, if not best budget striker. So, Abdul, we touched on Roger, uh, Huang, Benteke. Would you say Huang is the best option? If not, who would be your, your best budget striker? Um, I'd, say, I'd say Huang, yeah. The budget strikers, um, you know, fr- from that kind of five to six million range, um, I, would, I would say Huang. I think he's the most nailed and playing for the, the better team. Um, I still think Broja is is a rotation risk, um, and you know not at the moment, but he he could well be after a few games. Um, whose other option did you just mention? Um, I said uh, I said Benteke. Ah, probably also the Watford guys. Uh, yeah, there's Josh King. Yeah, Watford guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I still prefer Wang just because of the saving and you know the fact that I think he's 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 uh, likely to get the most minutes. No, I agree. I tell you what I like about Huang is uh, Jimenez does a lot of the hard work, and then Huang just taps them in. So, <laughs> so Jonathan Strike at J Strike uh, One, uh, looking to transfer at Asby, would you go for the possible rotations on Chilwell and James with a high attack potential, or almost guaranteed starter in Rudiger? So it's another question about Asby, but now it's it's where do you go? Do you go rotation risk with Chilwell? We talked a lot about Chilwell, or would you go to the safe option of Rudiger? Well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, usually I'm I'm really I'm really all about the nailed guys, um, but you know, I mean, I mean, is, is Rudiger even nailed? I mean, he he probably is, but um, I mean, I guess there's still a small chance that he might get rotated as well. And ju- just because of that, I think I'd you know just edge Chilwell for me because um, I think he's still, I think Chilwell's actually you know point one cheaper, but uh, also the fact that you know he's he's got a much higher attacking threat, so. Yeah, I think I'd go for Chilwell in this case. Uh, even though I'm, I'm usually really kind of you know prone to the uh, you know the nailed guys, but I just think everyone in that Chelsea line is is probably. I mean, even Mendy, you know, is, is prone to a bit of rotation. So yeah, I think I'd uh, I'd go Chilwell. 
Yeah, I would, I would too, and I just, I'm not sure I see the point in moving Aspi to Rudiger, and I, and we've already alluded to why we probably wouldn't make that move to James before. And that's not to rule James out as as a good option, but I think if you're making a move from one Chelsea defender to another, he's not the best option in that context. Yeah, if you're gonna move your existing one, I think you move them for Chilwell. I just don't see the point otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, agree, agree. So, uh, Tan May Good uh, at Imtan May Four, he asks, uh, which formation looks going uh, looks good going forward? Three four three or four four two? Kylie, what do you think? I always prefer to have more attackers on field. Uh, a lot of people do really, really well out of four four two, and we've got a lot of really excellent options in defence at the moment. And we've talked about your whole sort of chill well maybe have a bench option strategy. But yeah, I mean, I would always, always tend to lean on a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2 just because I think that under normal circumstances, the attacking players have a higher ceiling. Granted, if you're playing a 4-4-2 and you've got, as we said, Chilwell, Trent, you know, Cancelo and, and maybe another City or Chelsea defender and you've got depth on your bench... They have an incredibly high ceiling and they seem to be scoring all of Chelsea's goals. So (laughs) maybe I'm wrong there, but I think we all have a specific way we like to play. And for me, it is um, having all of my attackers. Yeah. Abdul? Yeah, I think still 3-4-3 for me. At the moment, I'm I'm on a 4-4-2, but that's because um, I've got Armstrong on on a wild card who's who's a a non-starter now. So, yeah, again, still 3-4-3. Even though, I mean, we've got a lot of injuries, you know, to the forwards, I mean, you've still got likes of, you know, Antonio Vardy and and Tony and and Jimenez and Huang. So I still think there's enough options there there to, you know, to kind of stick with a 3-4-3. Yeah, I've always been a three-forward man, if, if if I can do it. Um, the only other time is when I go three five two rather than uh, than a four four two. To be honest, cool. Uh, Randy Shafter at Randy Shafter. Owning a Man City midfielder, in my experience, has always been about as much fun as owning a tapeworm. Is it now time to repress all my memories of multiple pep fistings and just buy Phil Foden? So eloquent as ever. <laughs> eloquent as ever. Yeah. Love Phil Randy. Foden. Abdul. Talk to me about Phil Foden. The luckiest hole, but it doesn't really matter because they all count. I mean, one of his bum, one came yeah. onto him or something, got an assist. Um, I don't know. Tell me, what do you think of Foden? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he was, I mean, I feel very fortunate to have come away with an 18-point hole from that game. But his stats are still good. I mean, he is, he is you know, his XG and his shots in the box, etc. Uh, you know, are justifiable definitely for his price and for the team he's playing for. So, yeah, I mean... Um, I'm going to say yeah because I've got Foden um, and I think he he's not going to play, as, as Kylie kind of said earlier as well he's not going to play every game but I think he's going to play enough I think he's going to play the majority of games and he's, he's going to play enough to justify uh, you know his output for sure so yeah I would say um, you know try and put his um, his his City and, and Pep kind of woes behind him and uh, you know and, and just bring him in it's a fair point. It's a fair point. I think I, I looked at it and I have I need Trent back because I don't have him. So and I, I'm done with taking hits. So I think if you don't do it now, because they've got a good fixture now, but then they've got the derby, I believe, and and then you've got international break, etc. Game week 15 onwards, City's fixtures are ridiculous, and that's when you can really go for him and, like we say, have that insurance policy uh, on the bench because 
most likely or not, I think Foden will will start most games. I think he's becoming that player. But if he doesn't, you've got an insurance policy, and or you just swallow it if he comes on half time or, or or with some time to go, right? So, but yeah, Kay, what what do you think on Foden? Um, yeah, I mean, I I think Foden is a good option given broadly given the the fixture run that they have, and his his price point is accessible. Uh, he has been playing. He's been performing when he's been playing. That's really important as well. And I think it's as ever, if you're going to invest in City Attack, then you need to do it with the mindset that you are open to rotation because that is just the way of the game. And I, I feel like we say this a lot, but yet we continue to see people bemoan it. And I understand it because it's really it's really gut-wrenching when you've got a player, an excellent attacking player in a fantastic fixture and, and they're on the bench. It's It's just really rough to see. But it's par for the course, and, and we've seen it season after season. I think his ceiling is such that it can be really worthwhile um, as long as you're kind of ready to go with the ebb and flow. We were talking about a player under 9 million for one of the most attacking teams. Yeah. In, in, yeah. in, 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 in the I league. wouldn't advocate for the others, though. I think Foden is kind of where it starts and ends for me as far as appeal in City Mid. Agree. Interesting. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think Grealish has had his time. Mahrez, you never know when he's going to play or not. Maybe Jesus, he's getting it, but he's more of a forward. But in the midfielders, I completely agree. And actually, I know I just said like 15 onwards, but look at their fixtures. Crystal Palace, United, Everton, West Ham. I mean, like we said, we just touched on United and Everton, conceded five each. Uh, will, will it happen again? Can't see it, but you never know. And then, and then it's the Aston Villa, and then on on from that, you've got Watford, Wolves, Leeds, Newcastle. That's and and that's the, the the good green fixtures that I was talking about. But I think I'm looking at it from a biased point of view because I don't I didn't have a plan to bring him in, and I do want to change it. But I I think he's absolutely uh, an option. And uh, Kylie nail on the head when you say he's probably the only one out of those those midfielders. And I agree because see, like looking at. You know, yeah, United away, you'd probably say is is a tricky fixture, but Everton and West Ham at home, you know, what I mean, City at home are just, you know, are a, are a, are a great is a great fixture no matter who who they're playing really. Um, so yeah, yeah, agree, agree. You know, I, I I like their fixtures, you know, even through you know from ten to fourteen. If you look on the FPL website, I mean, United, Everton, and West Ham are are like kind of you know ranked at four and three, but I really don't agree with that, and I think you know they're much better fixtures than. You know the kind of look on paper, and um, yeah, and I, I, I kind of echo echo what Kylie and you just said about Foden being the only option. I was really surprised to see KDB on the bench uh, last game week. That's kind of totally took him out of the picture. I, I really thought he could be an option going forward as well. Um, but we gave him now... the death knell when we said he was the most nailed up. Yeah. Well, I think we said it about Diaz first. And the Diaz got oh, benched. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we said yeah, it about KDB. <laughs> so <laughs> Foden's now in trouble because all eyes yeah. are on him. Apologies. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he's benched for Palace. I was expecting him to be benched um, this week, to be honest. I was really surprised to see him in the starting lineup. But um, yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, he's not going to play midweek, is he? They've got the EFL Cup. So he's he'll he's got a nice long rest. So hopefully, fingers crossed, he starts Palace as well. Yeah. Can I, on a totally cool. unrelated note, before we move to the next question, just share, I don't know if either of you guys have seen um, this this tweet, but it's about Liverpool and it's pretty fantastic. Um, so FPL Kernow, I'm hoping that I'm pro- pronouncing that correctly, on Twitter, 
has said, FPL appearance points accumulated against Liverpool so far this season is 213. But the actual total FPL points accumulated against Liverpool so far this season is 195. So like that just goes to show the amount of minus points lost due to goals conceded and everything that it's, it's literally less than the appearance points in all of the matches against Liverpool. (laughs) That is crazy. (laughs) Long may the three amigos continue to be on fire. And I'm talking about Firmino, Mane and Salah here. Not us. Well, well, Josh will do well there, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's the fourth amigo, of course, you know, like when we have a guest like Abdul, you know, on fire, you know, like he's the fourth amigo. Absolutely. Um, right, Oriol. Um, our penultimate question, uh, Oriol uh, uh, RM at Oriol RM, is Tuchel roulette now officially more annoying than Pep roulette? I mean, it goes back to what we said. Thirty-four times they changed compared to City's twenty-three. Has Tuchel now become the enemy number one for you, Abdul? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, he's. Um, I mean, I've, I've, I can't be too mad at him um, because you know, I've only had a crush in two weeks and. The week he got benched, I got Liverpool's nine pointer off the bench. But um, yeah, I think going forward, he's. Um, I mean, I was really annoyed when when I seen Christensen benched. And when I seen the Chelsea yeah, yeah. this week, and I really thought, you know, he was, you know, going to start this week, you know, because I mean, Thiago Silva, he's what is he like 30, 39 now or something? He's old. Uh, he, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, <laughs> he's 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 getting on. So I kind of thought, you know, he's kind of. I thought he'd be the the most nailed option after Rudiger, but obviously not. So yeah, I mean. Um, He's definitely, I mean, I think they call it the Tuchel Tambola, don't they, on Twitter? So. Yeah, yes, they do. Yeah, he's, he's definitely... Um, the interesting thing, it's, it's around defenders, whereas with Pep, it's everywhere, right? Yeah. With Pep, it's everywhere. It, it could be wing-backs, it could be centre-backs, up front, forward. You know, you know, if Lukaku's fit, he'll play. Most likely, Werner will play. We knew Havertz wasn't playing unless these two got injured, right? So, it's more about the wing-backs and the defence, I feel, and maybe a little bit in midfield. But I can probably... Guess to to shells forwards more than I can with 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 Pep. I don't get me wrong. I think he, the fact that he's changed it, the stats tells us that he's much worse than than Pep. They still for me both are just annoying. I still find Pep more annoying. So Tuchel is definitely worse in terms of the volume of changes that he makes. <laughs> right, like one hundred percent. The stats show that. Um, and even though Pep's defense has been much more stable. This, this season obviously that's helped the by the fact that you know Mendy is is gone and um, you know so there's somewhat less options there but I, st- I just find Pep is so hard to read I mean sometimes he won't make subs at all like for no particular reason that is obvious to me or he'll make like one sub or he'll make a really random sub he'll just suddenly not play someone who's in form for extended periods of time it's really, it can be really hard to find the rhyme and reason in that. Whereas I feel like Tuchel, though, who makes so many substitutions, there seems to be maybe more sense to them. Um, that could just be my interpretation. But Pep just seems to be erratic, even still, <laughs> in the changes that yeah. he makes. And I don't profess that I should understand the inner workings of his mind, <laughs> but it is really sometimes quite difficult yeah. to interpret yeah, yeah. why he made certain choices. Agree. Like our last question is Era Press uh, uh, for 4C Able. How good is Salah? Abdul, please talk us through the master He's... that is Muhammad Salah. Yeah, I mean, I'm taking my bias off here, but um, 
I mean, I know, I know I've got FPL saw my name, but he, he has come, at the moment, he's the best player in the world. Um, you know, if you look at his his current form and, you know, his stats, you know, he's got 10 goals in his, 10 goals and four assists in his, is it six he, assists? He's four? scored, yeah. He's in scored more goals games. than, yeah, and uh, he's scored more goals than eight, eight clubs, I believe, so wow, far. That's, yeah. yeah, so I mean, like, yeah, at the moment, he's he's in the form of his life. Um, I mean, I don't think anybody can deny that. And he's, he's he, I mean, it was the 2017-18 season, I think, where he got the 30 goals, wasn't it? 30 plus goals. He's playing even better than than that season. Um, yeah. And he's on double points, I believe, this uh, halfway through the season. Like normally, uh, he's around 50-60, and now he's on 105, so nearly double. Like, yeah. could we could we see a 300 points a season here? Most definitely. I mean, I. I, I I mean, I, th- I still think it's it's going to be difficult to to get that, but he's de- he's definitely. I mean, he's hundred points already after nine games. Definitely, uh, he's, he's on the way, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he gets uh, through the points again. But yeah, he's just. I mean, it's just kind of running out of accolades for him, really. Um, he just it's been it's been phenomenal, and he's he's going to be a perma captain now, isn't he, going forward? Well, we'll we'll, we'll touch on it. I think yeah, he has yeah. to be. Yeah. Until he got, I mean, he's going to be a huge mess for for FPL. And for Liverpool when he goes to the African Cup of Nations, yeah. yeah. Uh, but absolutely. Um, so yeah. Well, listen. I mean, he's our Egyptian king. I just hope that our owners don't make a huge mistake and uh, you know delay too much with the contract. Just give him what he deserves. For me, on that, when you overperform for four or five years, you absolutely deserve to ask for the best. And it's not. It's not. Then saying, oh, well, uh, Van Dijk or Firmino or these guys will come and ask for this money. It, well, it shows them that if you overperform, yes, and he is the only one. I think the closest to him would be Alisson and maybe Van Dijk. But even they are not at his level yet. And also it shows that Liverpool are, are a big powerhouse that can keep the best players in the world and happy to be the last destination. Also shows the players that if you do well, you will get rewarded. So for me, it's, people say, oh, does he deserve this? Is it going to break the structure? I don't really care. Sometimes if you have a structure, but you see you're going to make a huge mistake, you need to adapt to the situation that you're in. And I think losing Salah now will have many repercussions, as well as obviously Klopp leaving in a couple of years, etc., etc. I don't think he's replaceable right now, because whatever money you get, who you're going to bring, is it's going to be a gamble, no matter what. We saw what happened when Bale was sold with Spurs. Now, Bale was at, at a huge level, not Salah's level, but we saw what happened then. Um, whatever happens, it will be a gamble. Why? Keep the best that you have. And for me, I think it will be riots if they don't do it. Honestly, it will be a huge mistake. They made many mistakes. They made some good things. They made many mistakes. And I hope they've been advised right by the football people at the club. That's what I would say about it before I carry on now for another half an hour. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we'll wrap up the questions and we'll move into our captain. So was, I'm going to start it from uh, FBL Frank. Frank Walsh, 82. Do I captain Havertz again? So we're going to talk captains and transfers. Would you captain Havertz again, Kylie? Well, I know you didn't captain him before, but if you did, would you captain him again? No, right. <laughs> I, I, so I think that's probably indicative of what my answer is going to be. Um, despite bringing in Havertz, I staunchly was always going to be captaining Salah. I I just think he, he, he he's just far too compelling an option at the moment. I mean, if I was happy to captain him against United, <laughs> I'm going to captain him against anyone else. I think that there are, you know, the, the arguments that people will often have in this situation, particularly if we talk about like a perma-captain, is going to be the effective ownership of, of Salah and how, how are you going to make gains on that captaincy decision? 
all very well and good, but I think the opportunity to make gains is really reliant on the fact that the, the person that you're not choosing to captain isn't the best option. You, I think he is far and away the best option. I think that he looks like he could score a hat trick every single week. So think that having Havertz in your team as it, owning him is differential enough. Find opportunities for people that you can own who are differentials for now until the situation changes. But I think always captain the best player that you have and sell yeah. it. And I think at the moment it's like a it's like a ten man game, isn't it, really? Um Yeah. But what would yeah, so what what I would say as well is like usually I've got like um like it's like a psychological thing when a player scores well like in a previous game week, I kinda of think he's not gonna do well the next game week. I know there's no kind of um, you know there's no real real logic behind that, but it's a psychological thing. But with Salah, as you, as you say, Kelly, he just looks like he's going to score every single game, and you know he's going to get a haul every single game. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I wouldn't be captain anybody else, you know, apart from apart from Mo. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. So we all say in Mo's our captain. So what moves are we we looking on, guys? What what's what's your plans, Kylie? Yeah, so this is completely dependent on um, the, the injury situation. Uh, my preference would have been to not actually make any moves this week. Um, happy with happy with my team. But obviously I have Vardy since everyone decided to bring Vardy in and they broke him on me. Uh, so I, it seems like he's got some sort of knee issue that uh, occurred in the warm-up. He was then deemed okay to play but they decided to take him off due to some discomfort, etc., um, at halftime. So I need to find out what the situation with him is. Also need to find out the situation with Mbwemo. I'm hoping that at least one of them is is fine. I have the, the depth to cover it. I think I'd be... If maybe Mbwemo is problematic more so than I, I think he is, then I might be tempted to go a Foden um, because I have quite a bit of money in the bank. But I'm also equally happy to hold fire uh, this week because I am well set up. Yeah, and I and I think it's worth noting there, like in previous seasons, I've been a lot more erratic with with hits and a lot less patient. And the while I wouldn't say I'm as patient as maybe Abdul is, I am certainly a lot more patient than than previous seasons. Um, and I haven't been taking hits and everything, and I've been more inclined to save a transfer where I can. And um, that approach is working for me at the moment. So I think I've got a, a good bench for a reason. I'll use it yeah, if I need yeah. to. Uh, I think Frank said uh, Mbwemo, a slight hamstring. They were worried about him. Uh, he definitely won't play midweek. But he might be okay for a game. It, it, it sounds like it's touch and go, so it doesn't sound like it's going to be a long layoff. Could miss one game by the sounds of things, uh, or, or not at all. Uh, yeah, Abdul, what about you? Are you making any moves or are you rolling? Yeah, I think I'm really similar to Kylie um, this week. I mean, I've got, I think we've got the same injured players. I've got Rafina and Bremo and Vardy. Um, they could all, you know, feasibly still play game week 10. Um, so, if you know, I think um, out of those, I think Rafina probably looks the one most likely to miss out because um, I think there's like rumours of him kind of leaving um, Ellen Norden like in a kind of you know protective boot. So it doesn't look good for uh, for Norwich, unfortunately. So I've got Livermento on the bench who could come in for him. So I, at the moment, I, again, it's, it's a bit too early to say with with all injuries. But at the moment, I'm I'm probably looking to save a transfer. Um, if I, if if I'm bit, I mean, if I've got more than two players out. 
um, then I'll probably make make a make a move um, because I've got Armstrong on the bench and Brownhill, so I, I can't really trust them, uh, you know, to kind of bring any sort of decent points in. So yeah, at the moment it's a save, but it could well be, you know, something like a an Armstrong to to Tony if uh, if we've got more than two two players out. Yeah, I've got Rafinha, but I've, like you, I've got Livermore to cover him. But then there's mm-hmm. the there's Cancelo and uh, and Rudiger who you, you you worry about sometimes. My plan was always to go uh, Somedo to Trent, bring Trent back. If Rafinha's out for too long, I might decide to just stick with Semedo uh, as uh, as a cover and and go Rafinha to Foden. But I think I would rather just bring Trent back because that is definitely a long term move. We'll see. We'll see. That's all we have time for. It's been a great discussion, Abdul. Thank you so much for joining us uh, and stepping in in the absence of uh, of uh, PJ. I've been uh, Mars at Mars05. She's been Kylie at Kylie FPL. Ab- he's been Abdul at FPL Salah. We've been yeah. the three amigos. Don't forget our absent PJ at Hindu... Uh, <laughs> absent PJ. Well, he's our absent PJ. Our absent, absent amigo, PJ at Hindu Monkey. Uh, please um, like and rate the pod if you like if you like what we do stay safe enjoy half term if you're on half term and adios amigos one for each other and all for one the three brave amigos are we brother to brother and everyone a brave amigo